We were not made to live in the pain and the sorrow of this world every day. We were made to be filled with joy. But for many of us, the weight of this world and the sorrows of our grief have become overwhelming. If not our grief, the reality of our responsibility as adults, like I just don't have time to go dance in the rain because then I'm going to get wet, I'm going to get a cold, and you know what happens, I'll miss work for a few days and I just can't afford that. And We find all these reasons to not be joyful. Anybody in here think your life would be better if you were a little more joyful every day? Or maybe the lives of your neighbors or your family members or your friends or your enemies? Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Church, lest you forget, He is risen. Isn't that great news? And somewhere as a child, most of us are filled with this innate joy where everything fills us with fascination and we can laugh at just about anything. And as we grow up, the world weighs heavy on most of our shoulders. And we spend less and less time laughing and become oh so serious. We lose out on this joy that He is risen. Indeed. (laughs) We lose out on this joy that Christ loves us. And far too often we as Christians become really, really boring. Like how many of you know a boring Christian? Anybody? If not, it's probably you, okay? (laughs) See, we forget as adults that we were made to be filled with joy. And I love videos like that with these babies because it's really hard to watch babies laughing and not start to laugh as well. There's something contagious about their joy that is so pure and innocent and true. Do you know what else helps you learn to be joyful? Anybody in here ever tried to laugh without smiling? Go ahead and give it a try right now. See what happens. Can you successfully laugh without smiling? Maybe you can make like a fake laugh, like a... (laughs) But at some point, even then, you're going to laugh at how dumb that laugh sounds, and you're going to start smiling, right? Here's the thing about the way God created us. We were made for joy, which is why thinking of a fond memory or a person you love or a moment that was lovely or thinking of a funny video or watching something like that, it's really contagious. It wells up inside of us and it's hard to resist. Did you know that your body is wired in such a way that you cannot remember pain as it happened? 
Take for an example, the other day I was working on my house and a screwdriver slipped and I stabbed my thumb and I thought for sure I was going to need stitches. It hurt really bad and I screamed and my wife was like, are you okay? And I said, I don't know. But all she heard was no and she basically jumped down the whole flight of stairs thinking I was dead and it was just a minor scratch, no big deal. And now I look at the scratch and I remember the incident, but I don't feel the pain that I felt in that moment. Your body cannot relive past pain but it can relive past joy. So when you think about your wedding day and all that happened then, or when you think about a time where you went and just really had a good hearty laugh with a loved one or a friend, you can actually begin to feel that joy inside of you. We were not made to live in the pain and the sorrow of this world every day. We were made to be filled with joy. But for many of us, The weight of this world and the sorrows of our grief have become overwhelming. If not our grief, the reality of our responsibility as adults, like I just don't have time to go dance in the rain because then I'm going to get wet, I'm going to get a cold, and you know what happens, I'll miss work for a few days and I just can't afford that. And We find all these reasons to not be joyful. Anybody in here think your life would be better if you were a little more joyful every day? Or maybe the lives of your neighbors or your family members or your friends or your enemies? I really appreciate whenever I get cut off in traffic or when I accidentally cut somebody off or even legally do the right thing driving and I cut somebody off and they don't like it. And I really appreciate when they show me all of their anger and their rage that I sometimes accidentally return And sometimes in the form of one, maybe two fingers waved very kindly at me. And I really love just waving back friendly with all five fingers and smiling. Have you ever done that to somebody? It will make them more mad or it will make them really confused. Like, did I know that person? Uh Uh-oh. I think we as Christians can live not under the burdens of this world, but filled with the joy of the resurrection every single day. In fact, Jesus in John chapter 15, he says this to his disciples. Oops, I just turned too many pages. He says this, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. In some translations, that your joy may be complete. Often when we think of Jesus, we consider Jesus to be super serious and somber. Almost all of our pictures of Jesus are him in some kind of serious, divinely, we don't have real pictures of Jesus, just warning, but like our portrayal of Jesus, some kind of serious, divine, this is Jesus and he's stoic. But Jesus, he's getting ready to die and he speaks to his disciples, it's my hope that you would have my joy and your joy would be complete. Everything I've said, everything I've done, all of this is so that you can be filled with joy. Long ago, when I was a teenager in youth group, uh, I was not at a church where questions were normal and were welcomed, but I thankfully had a youth leader that was very kind and would welcome questions, and oftentimes he wanted them more one-on-one so they could be less distracting, and I was that kid who had all the questions that could be really distracting. There was a time where I was truly questioning, not in a sarcastic or mean sort of way, I was questioning the humanity of Jesus. If Jesus was actually a man, 
Did his body odor smell after a day in the sun? Or did it smell good? Because he's God. And I would think God smells good, but I certainly don't smell good after a day in the sun. And I was, I was really curious, what did Jesus smell like? And my youth leader, in his very serious and kind response, looked me straight in the eyes and said, that's a great question, Adam. Here's one for you. What do you think Jesus' fart smelled like? I didn't even think about that fact. And he said, do you think Jesus ever went up to Peter and said, hey, Peter, pull my finger? <laughs> and and I, I can't not think of that anymore. Like, that regularly comes back to my mind. I just wonder, what kind of a sense of humor would Jesus have had? And what would have happened if Peter pulled his finger? I don't know. Like, Jesus spoke and the earth shook. Who knows? It's his desire that our joy is complete and full. That we could be a people who laugh and love like he does. Wouldn't this be nice? Unfortunately, I think far too many Christians take themselves and this world far too seriously. And in doing so, the world around us perceives that to be Christian is to be cold. To be Christian is to be hateful. To be Christian is to be somebody who can't have any fun. But what if it's God's desire that we were actually the most fun people out there? So let's back up to the beginning of John chapter, 11, or chapter 15, and we'll read all of Jesus' words so we know exactly what he says so that our joy may be complete. Uh, if you're reading along in the Blue Bibles, it's page 1,126. They're in the pews in front of you or upstairs along the walls. Um, feel free to use your phone or your own Bible if you'd like. John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my Father the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may be more fruitful. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, before we continue, Jesus has this way of just always talking and picture and metaphor, and sometimes it's beautiful, and sometimes I find it really frustrating. Like, if I were to just stand up here and say, today, I want you to know that I am a tree and you are the leaves. Like, what does that even mean? You want me to leave or you want me to fall? I don't know. What are you saying to me? I don't know. Jesus, he talks in these pictures that paint for his disciples an image in their mind. He says, I am the vine, and my father the vine dresser. Like any branch that comes away from the vine, it's going to die. If you've ever done any kind of gardening, you know this to be true. If you cut a branch off and you throw it off to the side, it's going to die eventually. Now, there are some plants that are so uh, able to, and hardy, able to keep living, that they will just plant new plants and keep growing. But most plants like grapevines that he's referring to, if you just throw them aside, they will die. That's it. Jesus says, look, I'm the vine. You have to be connected to me. And then my father, he's the vine dresser. 
He's the one who takes time to prune that which is growing to shape it and to form it and to allow the life that is growing to bear the most fruit. You see, grapes, if you let them just grow wild, they will grow like crazy. There's no lack of growth in grapes connected to the vine. But the fruit of those grapes, wild grapes, is really tart. It's not so pleasant. It's not very lovely at all because the energy is spent growing so wildly, it's not spent on growing the fruit directly. So if you want to make good wine, if you want to have something beautiful to come from the fruit, you have to carefully tend it and shape it so that the life that is poured into that that plant goes where you want it to. Jesus says, anybody who abides in me will be filled with life and bear much fruit. Anybody who's with me and in me will bear fruit, and my Father will prune it. See, pruning requires cutting away of that which once bore life or that should not bear life. Cutting away the things you no longer need so that the nutrients and the energy go to the right place. It's important to note that when you walk with Jesus, there will be seasons of pruning. Things in you that he cuts away and that he removes. And it can be really hard and really painful and really frustrating. And sometimes it's the act of pruning that steals our joy because we get so caught up in the things he's taken away, we lose sight of the things he's preparing before us the things right around us that he's actively doing. Jesus says, look, if you want to be bearing much fruit, abide in me. You can do nothing apart from me. He continues in verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. It's a pretty harsh word of Jesus, but it's true. We can find temporary and artificial joy in what looks like life in all kinds of places. But if it's not in Jesus, it will not be lasting. We can find all kinds of joy in things that are not actually that good to find joy in. Things that are all sorts of impure and actually bad for us, but in the moment they seem like fun. We can find joy in things that are temporary and fleeting. And if we're not careful, we will spend our lives chasing after joy in all the wrong places. In fact, our culture has this obsession with joy, but we've confused it. We don't actually seek joy most of the time we seek happiness. Our very country was founded on the pursuit of happiness as a God-given inalienable right. This is our goal, to pursue happiness. But happiness is always fleeting, whereas joy is something so much more than that. It's not just the surface level, how do you feel in the moment? It's a deep-seated contentment. Who are you in every moment? The good and the bad. Elsewhere in Scripture, it says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. And I like that picture of what joy is. Joy is seeing something ahead of you that is worth more than what you're in right now. And for that, you press on. And you keep going. Paul, he writes elsewhere in in the gospel, or not in the gospels, but in the New Testament, Paul, he writes that we fix our eyes on Jesus and we run the race with endurance. We run because we see what is coming at the end makes all of this worth it. The things that will happen are worth whatever's happening today. Jesus, he continues, 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. See, our joy comes from being with Jesus, spending time in our lives looking on the one who has conquered death, who has taken all of our grief and our sorrow, and he knows it intimately as a man who suffered for us. And all of our joy comes in knowing that those actions of his were in love for you and for me. We often don't really know what to make of God's love because it feels very intangible and distant. Yeah, I know he loves me, but right now, have you seen my car? Have you seen my problems? Have you seen my struggles? I know he loves me, but... And when we say that, we negate all of our understanding of his love And the thing that comes afterwards is the only thing we can focus on. See, it's because of his love that he was willing to step down from his throne and give everything up. All the stars in the universe, the planet, all of his good creation, everything he made, his glory, his fame, all of it set aside to suffer and die. Look, if you abide in me, you will love And in this love, our joy is complete. And then he continues and he says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. See, it's as we see the love that he has for us, we are able to love others. As we look to the one who has given everything for us, suffered in ways you and I can never suffer, and lost things you and I will never have to lose. As we look to him, we're able to see the person who sins against us in a whole new light. Not as this terrible, angry person with only two fingers. Not as this person who's vengeful and wrathful who I just cannot love for anything. No, we get to see them as somebody worth dying for. And so we love as he has loved us. Greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, that your love, or that you will love one another. That you should go and bear fruit, and your fruit should abide. Again, Jesus comes back to this imagery of a vine and bearing fruit. But what exactly is the fruit that his disciples were to bear? The fruit that is to abide long term, what is that for you and me? 
In Galatians chapter 5, it describes the fruit that God creates in us like this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. When we are with Jesus, these are the things that come to bear fruit in us. When we fix our eyes on all of who he is and all of what he's done, these are things we begin to experience and produce around us. How much better would work be if every time you went to work, people saw love and felt joy and experienced peace and goodness and gentleness and self-control from you? These things abide in this world with a power to transform this world. I like that these fruit of the Spirit begin with love. And then comes joy. I think oftentimes we begin with love and then we want to skip to peace or maybe patience. God, give me patience. That's a dangerous prayer to pray, I promise. Because somebody will push your buttons right afterwards. We want to skip to some of these other things and go right over joy. Do you know you were made to be filled with joy? That's why it's the work of the Holy Spirit in you today. He's recreating you to do and to be who you were always made to be and to do what you were always made to do. To love one another. To be filled with joy. Over the next couple weeks, we're going to be talking about ways you and I can begin to be filled with joy in a contagious way. That the world around us would know it and would feel it, and would see the God who is creating this joy in us. So today I'm going to give you three ways you can begin to practice joy and experience joy, because while this is a gift God gives and something He does, there's also a reality that we can participate in the work He's doing by submitting ourselves to Him. Uh, some of these ideas and things come from a book called Living Joy. It's about nine different ways we can practice joy every day. So here's the first one, practice gratitude. If you want to begin to have a joy that is complete, that is filling you with love for one another, practice gratitude. There's a whole lot of things in this world to not be thankful for. There's a whole lot of things, in fact, to be angry about and even hateful against. But when we practice gratitude, we are invited to recognize that these problems and these pains are temporary. We take our eyes off of all of the burdens and we shift our focus from the burdens to the one who can do something about them. From the grief to the one who will comfort every one who mourns. Practicing gratitude perhaps looks like starting your day with things you're thankful for. Like, let's be honest, it's really easy to roll out of bed and to just grumble. Oh, it's too early. I don't have coffee yet. My kids woke me up and I would really like to sleep a little while longer. I read something the other day online that cracked me up. It said, marriage is just waking up and telling the other person you didn't sleep well first. <laughs> yeah. Right? We wake up, we're like, oh, I'm so stiff and sore and old. And, and we start our day with all kinds of grumbling. And it doesn't set us up to enjoy the morning or the day at all. What if you practice gratitude where you, before you got out of bed, said, God, today I'm thankful that I'm breathing. Or I'm thankful that the roof is still over my head. Or that my children are running down the hall getting ready to wake me up. That won't always be the case. 
Thank you that they're here right now. See, when you begin to practice that purposefully, what's going to happen in you is the thing you have to work at intentionally begins to become second nature, a reflex. So when something bad happens, it does not dismiss the bad, but invites you instead to look to the one who can do something about it. God, today I'm suffering in this way, but I am thankful that you will one day make this right. Help me to live in this all the time. And gratitude will fill you with joy constantly because you're looking to the giver of all good things and not to the problems in front of you. So you can practice gratitude. Another thing you can do to experience joy is to seek silence. We live in a busy, noisy world. And I promise you, the vast majority of all the noise in your life is not joyful. Let me tell you the latest gossip, the latest bad news, the world is ending once again. What do you know? It's a new day. Surely today will be the reason that the the cataclysmic event happens. It's all coming to an end. I promise you there will be something, if not today, tomorrow, in your life that's unpleasant. And if you listen to all the noise of the world, what you're going to constantly hear is all the unpleasantries. But silence invites us to simply be. Not to be doing anything in particular. Not to be going anywhere specific. Not to be concerned about this or concerned about that. Silence allows us to be. This is why we as a church over the last couple of years have talked a lot about practices that can help us be with Jesus. We've talked about silence and solitude and the habit that that can create in you. And and you know, one of the ways that we all, I think, need silence is from this little device. Now, some of you might be Android fans, and so this doesn't apply quite as much, but I think it's no accident that the logo on the back of this device Here's the same thing used throughout history to describe the fall. An apple. Not because Apple, I think, is an inherently evil company. I don't know enough about them to know one way or the other. But I think this device intended to be a blessing can become all-consuming. And we live or die by our notifications and our screen time and the things we think are important. Part of seeking silence includes turning off your phone or your tablet or your computer and simply taking time in creation. Whether that's outside on a walk or on your back porch or in your living room sipping a lovely cup of coffee because you know it's early in the morning, coffee is a gift from God to both wake you up and help your digestive tract. It's lovely. Whatever it is, that silence invites you to focus on God more than this world. I think if we all practice regularly seeking the silence every day a little bit, be it from our phones or from all the noise of this world, whatever it is that we distance ourselves for two minutes or for 20, we'll find more reasons to be joyful in this world. Finally, ways that you can begin to experience joy have fun. 
Like as adults, we forget that there's a lot of simple things we can have fun with. When was the last time you purposefully went out and played in the rain? Or danced in your car to a song you really liked? Or sang at the top of your lungs because there's nobody in the car to hear you terribly singing? It's perfect. When was the last time you told a joke, preferably a clean one, just because it would make you laugh? Or you turned off the TV that we think is fun that often just leaves us wanting more TV and not actually having fun? And you played a board game with your family. Not so that you could beat them really badly as I so often try to do, but simply so you could have fun. What if you and I as Christians sought every day when we woke up to say, God, help me to be fun today. And we just looked at the people around us and said, what would be fun for them today? Maybe you could just keep a Nerf gun in your car because you never know when you need to get into a Nerf gun fight. Or keep some candy on your desk because you never know when somebody needs a piece of candy. Maybe it's little things you can do to practice being humorous. You see, being fun actually invites you and me to recognize we are not in control. We take everything so seriously because we think that it's our burden to bear. But practicing being fun, just enjoying the simple things around you, it actually, it actually invites you to recognize that this world was not your problem to fix. Let it go. And now for all of you parents, you'll be singing Let It Go for the next few days. You're welcome. Oh, wait, that'll get you too. What if you and I began to just have fun? See, when we have fun, it actually strengthens our relationships. Like, you don't start dating somebody who you think is really boring. And you probably don't stay friends with somebody that every time you get together with them, you're like, let's have coffee. And they're like, my life is miserable. Thanks, Eeyore. I appreciate it. Now, generally, you want to be around people who are fun. When was the last time you and your spouse went on a date not to talk about your problems or your children or your jobs, just to enjoy each other's company? Or maybe you're single. When was the last time you got together with friends and just laughed? Here's a simple solution. If you don't know how to have fun, just get together with somebody. You don't even have to tell them you're going to do this and just start laughing. <laughs> and it might feel really funny or fake at first but just keep laughing <laughs> it's really hard to resist laughing when somebody else is laughing and then that laughter moves from something fake to something real a genuine moment that you're like that was silly and I don't understand it but I liked it I would like more of that. But all of this joy, whether it's through intentionally seeking silence or being grateful or whether it's through intentionally just doing something silly for the sake of having fun, all of this is meaningless if it doesn't help you and me focus back on Jesus. Jesus is the author of our faith, the giver of life. He is the one in whom we find all joy. So are you grieving? Are you sad? That's okay. See, one of the things I've learned is that part of practicing joy on purpose and experiencing this regularly is that it actually allows us to grieve more fully. We can temporarily set our pain aside 
for the sake of joy. And here's what that looks like. I know the world around me is on fire and everything's falling apart. But right now I'm going to enjoy this cup of coffee because at least my coffee's warm. Right now I'm going to celebrate that God has given me breath in my lungs even though everything else seems like I can't handle it. For right now, I'll come back to the problems. But what if we face those problems from a place of being with Jesus and filled with joy, knowing that we're loved, not from a place of being worn out and tired and doing it on our own strength? Maybe our problems would be more manageable and our burdens would be less burdensome. It all comes back to being with Jesus regularly. And so as we go forward in this Contagious Joy series, I want to encourage you, do something this week that brings you joy. Maybe something small or maybe something big. Do something that brings others joy. And ultimately, may your joy come from this promise. He is risen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you are fun. You are joy incarnate. It is your desire, Jesus, that we would be filled with joy and our joy would be complete and full. We ask you'd come this morning. Fill us with gratitude. We thank you for who you are and all that you have done. Fill us with laughter and with love. Teach us to have fun again simply because you are good. God, may we fix our eyes on you. Abiding in the vine, may you bear fruit in us. That the whole world would know that they too are loved. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. When it comes to various ways to practice joy, one way we can practice joy that is perhaps the most counterintuitive is to practice generosity. It says in Scripture, it's better to give than to receive, and the act of giving in all of us releases a bit of endorphins and joy. And so this week, I would like to invite you, whether it's here at the point or today as you leave for lunch or wherever you go, How can you give in such a way to be a blessing to others? It's really fun, I promise you, when you go to a coffee shop and you leave a really large tip for the person who's serving you, or it's really fun when you purchase somebody else's meal or when somebody's in need and you help them out. It's really a blessing to give. So every week, believing that to be true, we collect an offering in this place, not because we believe God requires us to give, but The invitation to give invites us to experience joy. And so if you came today prepared to give and you would like to give with cash or check, you can give a gift to the point to help us do what we're doing in the black boxes on the back wall as you exit. If you filled out a connection card with ways we can connect with you, things we can be praying with you uh, about, uh, place that in the the box as well. And if you're somebody who prefers to give electronically and you'd like to do that, you can give at thepointknox.com by clicking the little teal button in the bottom corner. However you give and whatever you give, know this. We don't give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. Now every week we invite your questions and I do my best to respond. So um, what questions came in today, Tyler? 
All right. First one we got here is please pray for my friend Tina that she heals quickly from her pneumonia bout after some heart surgeries. Also, a round of applause for the children this morning for their opening prayer, and as it was joyous to see. Oh, and the coffee, too. Yeah, we thank you for the coffee. Now, in case you don't know, those were my children, but if your children would like to be a part of what we're doing, too, I'll gladly uh, let them come on up and be a part of it, because I think kids belong in this space as much as they belong in kids' ministry. So, uh, Tina, was it? Is that what you said? Yes, Tina. Well, let's just take a moment. We'll pray for her real quick. Jesus, we thank you that you are the healer. So we ask you bring healing to Tina, comfort as she awaits that healing, and wisdom to the doctors who treat her. Amen. Amen. All right. This one's a question. Uh, God wants us to be joyful. How do we keep clinical uh, depression from separating us from God? There's a... There's a lot to that. <clears throat> There's a lot to that that I, I can't fully unpack in just a couple moments, but I'll say two really big things. Um, there is such a thing as clinical depression. It's not healthy to deny it and say it's not real. And there is a time when medicine is the best approach to help balance chemicals that are out of balance. So don't ever let somebody say it's wrong of you to do that. It's okay to do that. Uh, also, Sometimes clinical depression, uh, one way that we can treat it is by doing things differently than we did before. So alongside the medicine and alongside the counseling and alongside the things you're doing uh, to help kind of regulate where you're at, you can practice new habits of joy. So you can wake up in the morning and keep a journal. What's three things you're thankful for as you start the day? Or you can practice things that bring joy, like I know I'm really sad and getting out of bed takes everything in me. I'm going to find the strength to get out of bed and to go sit outside and hear the birds chirp and drink my hot coffee. If you haven't caught on, I really like coffee a lot. Um, Maybe it's not coffee for you. Maybe it's a nice glass of really good wine. Not the whole bottle, a glass. Maybe it's a really good meal. Maybe it's a great book. Something you find joy in, and I'm going to find the strength to do at least a moment of it. Maybe right now where you're at in your depression, you can't do more than a minute of a good book because you don't have more than a minute to focus. That's okay. Spend a minute in a good book and try again tomorrow, all right? So that's what I'd say to start. There's a lot more there. So if this is you and you haven't sought help or the support of a community, please do, and we would love to walk alongside you through this time. Okay. Someone texted in, thanks for the biscuits. Yeah. Uh, So if you don't know, if you volunteer in the morning, you also get breakfast in the morning. So good motivation to volunteer. We have delicious breakfast and today included biscuits as Tyler is demonstrating. I took advantage to that (laughs) of it. So I got me a biscuit. Um, Okay. Next one. Uh, This isn't a question as much as it reminded me of a story. Uh, One of the best laughs and joyous moments I had as a child was when my sisters and I were talking to my dad about Jesus, and he said, Jesus laughed, he cried, and he farted too. We all hee-hawed laugh, and that memory has stayed with me all my life. As silly as it was, it it, it made Jesus so much more relatable and less intimidating to my younger self. I love that. It's quite the story. 
And I just wonder, like, if Jesus was ever in the moment of, like, a really big sermon or, or healing, and he just let out this tiny little squeak, and if everybody caught it and was like, I think that was from him, or if he was able to keep it in in the moment. I don't know. You can think about these things, and it's not sacrilegious because Jesus was fully human, and he loves you fully, all right? Anything else? I think that's it. Yep, that's Excellent. it. Well, on that, uh, I would really love to encourage you once more to sign up for that Rediscovering the Point class. I'm super excited for it, to share more of who we are and where we're headed. If you're curious, what does it mean to grow in faith? How do you do that in this place? How do you take your next step to walk with Jesus a little more fully? What, what does that look like? Uh, you'll learn there the, the ways that we believe we can help you grow with Jesus and how that changes your life and your family. So uh, I strongly encourage sign up. We will have some breakfast, uh, maybe biscuits, probably donuts, and coffee for sure. And some lunch as well. So, yeah. If you don't like coffee, we have hot tea, Michael. Don't worry. We probably won't have a nice glass of wine at 9 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, as you go, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.